Hello and welcome to Maritime Careers, the podcast. My name is Andrew Caldroy and I'm thrilled that you're joining me on a journey of discovery where every Monday I speak with maritime professionals from across the industry, sharing the diverse opportunities that are available. There is no doubt that we are living in extremely challenging times. The purpose of the podcast is to share with you, your friends, your colleagues, your families, the opportunities that are available. We're here to support you in your career journey. If you found it useful, I'd love to know by leaving a comment, a rating um, in any of the channels that you're listening to this on. And if you have, again, found it useful, please feel free to share it with your friends, family, colleagues who are perhaps looking for a new career. Thank you, stay healthy, stay safe and enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to our very first episode of Maritime Careers, the podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us. He's the Director of Maritime UK, um, Ben Murray. Thank you very much for joining us. Morning, Andrew. Great to be here. So to get us kicked off, can you share with us uh, the role that Maritime UK is playing today in the maritime industry across the, the UK? Well, Maritime UK uh, today, we, we describe it as the, the umbrella body and collective voice for the maritime sector. So uh, if, if people think back and remember, we had a 2015 growth study um, from the Department of Transport. The sector is, um, is too fragmented, is um, not particularly compelling when it comes to wanting things from government and then, uh, and then being able to achieve it. So government asked that industry better focus its efforts and align and coordinate itself. So they, they called for us to be, we'd actually been around for a number of years, I understand, this is before my time, but, but not necessarily in the way that uh, was most effective. So government called for that sort of shake up and that reorientation and so we were given a sort of a, a jolt and and since then have have formed and operated in that role and we we have within our our membership all the the national trade bodies uh, the trade associations that represent companies we have um, professional institutes social partners um, and we have regional regional clusters which is a growing number of, of organizations and the job is to bring all those different partners together find what the shared interests are and, and make progress on them and uh, we've been doing that in a, in a number of ways since i properly i'd say since 2016 and i actually joined on the on the monday and the the eu referendum was on i think the thursday and that that certainly made us uh, find our role and find our way that, that, that's certainly a um, introduction by fire joining the few days after by after the EU referendum yeah it was it was I mean I think obviously everybody was taken by surprise I mean I, I'd arrived but even those who were already here were well, like large parts of society and, and, and politics and business were expecting a different result so it it, it caused us all to take stock we had an emergency my first board meeting I think it was maybe my second but first or second board meeting and it was right what do we want from this process and, and how do we go about it and I think fairly quickly we found that we had a lot to to offer as a sector but also we needed 
quite a bit from from government to be able to perform our role. But yeah, it was it was a baptism of fire. But I'm a believer in uh, in, in events often giving you an opportunity to to do what's right. Absolutely. And now, so now today, uh, 2020, uh, director of Maritime UK, we, our, our listeners are starting to gauge an understanding of what the company now you're the, the group rather work shall we say that you're directing can you explain perhaps what that role entails um as director of um, maritime uk sort of perhaps share some of your day-to-day uh, life the sort of things that you come up with and actually um your, your journey within maritime uk um rising to the stature of um the director yeah well, it's, it's it's first thing is it's it's huge fun um, I'm not the sort of person I think who could, could put in the hours and, 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 and put in the effort that um, I often have to without it being something that's in fun and purposeful. I think, I think that's important for anybody's role, I think, but it's certainly true for this. Uh, for, for a long time, when I, when I first arrived in 2016, there was a, there was a colleague from the, the Chamber of Shipping who worked part-time on Maritime UK, and that was, and that was it. So I was brought in as the first sort of independent full-time person. And then uh, that person from the, the Chamber of Shipping uh, moved up, she got a, 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 new, a new job, a new role somewhere else. So I was left on my own um, for a good, a good few years, uh, I think it was, or certainly a couple of years. And then the, the Royal Navy and the Royal Fleet Auxiliary, uh, very kindly, because uh, there's a, a huge amount of crossover and interest, they seconded uh, a role into Maritime UK, which is very helpful. And then, uh, so, so, so given this, the fact that it was just, just me and a, and, and a, and a colleague as well, we, we, we had to do everything really in terms of what we do day to day. And then when Maritime 2050 was published, which is the government's flagship policy and strategy for the maritime sector, uh, with that was some, some funding to help deliver some, some projects. And we, we grew our team slightly then um, we, we, so we've now got six people in total and um, that means we've all gradually started to specialise and focus on different areas of the organisation's role. Um, colleagues are working on careers, colleagues are working on skills, uh, got a colleague working on our regional development, regional cluster development. I've got another colleague who uh, works particularly on, um, on policy and, and any of the special projects that we have. So, but my role really in an organization that's only six people and you can't, you can't be too, um, I guess, too siloed. And so uh, by and large, get involved with a bit of everything. But my, my primary role is to, is to make sure that our, our national council, our board is, is operating properly in its, its direction to us uh, as the executive is, is, is being implemented, that our strategic plan is being executed, that our uh, Maritime 2050 obligations are progressing, and that the shared interests of the sector are, are being met and, and progress is being made against them. If that's things that we want from government in terms of policy, um, that might be through media work, it might be through political lobbying with parliamentarians, or if it's through work that actually industry should be doing and making sure we've got the resource and the capacity to deliver programs as industry and bringing in companies to support that. So uh, a hugely diverse role that you play um, within uh, Maritime UK and, uh, and across the sector. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it has to be. We're not necessarily deep in, in each of these areas, but part of what the 
criticism from a lot of companies and government have been historically was that things were happening in, in silos and there, there wasn't an awareness and then potentially duplication. So having a role across the sector where we can say uh, through our working groups and programs, this organization is doing something similar in this space or uh, did you know that uh, they were thinking of doing something like that and we could marry that up and, uh, and achieve more because we've, we've got limited resource collectively across the sector to, to work in these areas. But if we put two and two together, we often get more than four and uh, we can then use any of the additional resource that's been saved to do something else. So yes, it's, uh, I feel I've often got a good awareness of things, but it's, we don't have to have that depth everywhere. That's where the different member organizations come in and support. But I think it's a real step forward and it's clearly something that serves the interest of companies that a lot of companies are members of lots of different organizations and they, they feed things into one. I want to know that it's what they're feeding in one space is, is also being heard and understood. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not always easy, but things that are worthwhile, um, I guess that gives you a little spring in your step because you know it's, it's going to make a difference. Absolutely. And if it was easy, everybody would be, would be doing it as well, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you talk about sort of I mean, a hugely diverse uh, role that you play within Maritime UK, very much hands-on um, with government, uh, with, with industry and individuals across the sector, whether it's uh, up here in Scotland, uh, London, Wales, um, or, or any of the other regions um, that are developing. So if I'm correct, you're, you weren't in Maritime before joining Maritime UK. Um, so perhaps could you share what attracted you to joining the maritime industry, to, to taking on uh, such such a um, fantastic career and fantastic opportunity within the sector? Yeah, it has been. It has been fantastic. It's been, it's been great to have the opportunity to shape that because anybody, I think, would want to feel that they... Uh, can sort of um, make things work and happen in, in, a, in a way that they think is right. And I always see this with our team and, and others that you give people the chance to shape and grow things, then it will, it will ultimately be uh, better for it. So, no, I, I, I wasn't in, in Maritime before. My, my awareness of Maritime, I guess, was, was twofold. One, that I, was, I grew up in a, in a port town. I was in Lowestoft, um, where we had to a little bit of the oil and gas industry leaving, but we had some marine engineering. We obviously had the port in the middle of the town. So we, we did that. I was involved in politics before, and one of our, one of our big campaigns from the, the party that I was working with um, was to get, a, to get a third river crossing built in, in Lowestoft. And that, I have since found out that was, a, that was a, a campaign that one of our port companies that we work with now was, was, was against. And uh, it's interesting to see the, the world's colliding, but it's... Uh, it's a small world in that sense. But the, the second reason I, I knew a little bit about Maritime was my dad was a, he went to sea as a cadet and, um, and uh, then when it, he was a Maritime lecturer and then set his own consultancy up and then I finished, uh, finished up at the International Chamber of Shipping. So I, I knew a little bit about the world from talking to him, but it's a different, it's a different sort of role. This, my role isn't particularly technical when, when, when his was, but there's, uh, there's clearly a lot of crossover in, in, in topics. But uh, I saw the job. It was, um, I think, because the the board weren't quite sure what shape Maritime UK would take. It wasn't necessarily uh, a, you know, a, a very experienced person that they were seeking. They wanted, I think, they wanted a doer who is uh, who'd been on campaigns and had some sort of 
political mouse and I just thought I can do that and um, and unfortunately um, they agreed and uh, these things I think I don't know some people seem to have grand plans for careers but I often think wherever you end up is is uh, is just the the product of a few decisions at different times and and it's it's been great it's uh, so I think the advice to people is just have a go when you see something you think you could do um, you know, no one else has done it necessarily certainly in this case there was no there was no right answer it was about working with people and I think some of the political background and stakeholders and relationships is is clearly important but uh, yeah it wasn't by design at all um, no but not, maybe not by design but certainly having that um, shall we say heritage um, that knowledge of the maritime industry I mean it it's, it's interesting because some who perhaps are listening to this perhaps are along the coastline and may not actually fully appreciate uh, the importance uh, that maritime plays um, with it within the UK um, and actually how many amazing careers there are um, that we'll be exploring throughout uh, this series um, of podcasts. And actually touching on that, can you perhaps share with our audience, um, we, we've talked with, about the role of Maritime UK, uh, you, your role, um, how you made it to working in our amazing industry. Um, could you perhaps share with our audience who don't perhaps know much about the maritime industry, the important role that it plays uh, today um, in in life um, within the UK? Mm, absolutely. I, mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want people to think that you need to. You need to have a background in in maritime to to come into maritime because agree certainly me i had an interest and knowledge but um it's it's got so many different roles and so many different areas of activity that i, I can't think of any skill set or any interests that wouldn't be uh, i guess fulfilled and progressed in in this sector but but no certainly in, in in terms of the role of the sector it's one that is central to all the work we do in, in banging the drum for the sector and doing it um just uh, just this week, last week, um, we do it every day in terms of press and parliamentarians, and 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 people get sick and tired in within the industry of some of the some of the key stats that we bang on about. But that's always the that's always the measure of a good a good stat and a good a good uh, key message is if people feel it's being repeated again and again. And uh, it's I think through COVID and through Brexit we've. We've all come to realise, um, been reminded certainly of the, the critical and fundamental role of this sector in national, uh, I guess, in functioning as, as, a, as an economy in terms of when there were shortages of um, food and, and medicine and, and other supplies. It was this sector that, that kept that kept that moving and kept the country supplied with with what it needed. And uh, you know, people people probably realise that most things in this country come in on a ship. Just because you there's no other way of doing it you can't you can't get all those goods from china or fruit and veg that go into places like portsmouth you, you couldn't get on a plane uh if you did it would be very cost uh costly and cost prohibitive but yeah it's it's something that i think people have come to realize we're talking to mps more and more who who get it they understand not only our role in, in terms of facilitating trade but also our role in in creating jobs and economic activity around the coast. So I didn't necessarily realize when I first arrived what the breadth of maritime was. I think that's important too. You've, you've clearly got the shipping side, the movement of goods and people. You've got the ports that enable that. So where those ships 
uh, come into to the coast and and load and unload the, their cargoes and you've got the marine manufacturing side um, which is um, both in terms of defense and naval systems equipment software uh, design services we've got super yachts we've got inland waterways we've got ribs all that manufacturing um, that goes on we've got our professional services which we can really say the uk is the world leader in in, in how we make ships operate in terms of finance and insurance and legal uh, requirements and then we've also got the participation side so this is where most people uh, can actually engage with the sector if they're not if they're not working in it or or, or going on a ferry or a cruise for instance is um is, is about getting on the water with things we count within the sector anything from boating to um kayaking uh, yachting all that sort of stuff is, is within maritime and it's i think sometimes restating that's really useful for people to recognize that they probably have had an interaction with the sector and therefore it's probably something they could maybe see themselves working in too but it's taken in the round it's a sector that's it's bigger than the air and uh rail sectors combined uh which is is i think it's air and rail or maybe air and automotive but uh it's it's possibly possibly two combinations of those sectors that we are we are bigger than it's it's a million yeah. people and it's uh you know it's 46 billion pounds and uh we might get fed up of hearing that but the more we say it the more that other people will have a chance to hear it too Again, I mean, I, I have to say, I, I agree on all of that in it, in it for myself. Um, it, it's nice to remember that um, going out on leisure craft um, counts as part of the maritime sector, uh, coming from that sort of background. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so it's very nice to remember that um, w w that part is included within the maritime industry across the UK. So for perhaps our non-maritime audience, whether they're school leavers, uh, just, finished, just out of university, um, service leavers, or actually even perhaps some within the industry who maybe haven't heard some of these key stats, um, as you say that perhaps some who are listening are like, oh dear, Ben's about to go on about the key statistics again. Um, personally, I'd be fascinated to be reminded of these uh, key stats. I mean, you said it's uh, 46 billion um, th throughout the sector and, and employs over a million people. Can you perhaps share some more about the intensity, not intensity, the, the magnitude of the industry that actually dates back hundreds and hundreds of years long before rail and aviation and automo auto, um, automotives came into existence? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it is an industry that is, I guess it's probably one of the oldest going in terms of linking peoples and, and cultures and different parts of the world together for you know, people to people links or trade. Uh, as it's been going on through the, through the ages, I, I can't imagine a time when people weren't uh, wanting to, to travel across the water or across uh, inland waterways or whatever. So it's, it's, Particularly to, to Britain as well, it's so intrinsically linked to who I think we are as, a, um, as an island nation. And when you've, through history, you perhaps look at that island nation character and see it being borne out in different ways, it's, that we're, we're very uh, a global and outward looking uh, country that, that wants to engage with all corners of the world. And, and, uh, and perhaps sometimes that's why some colleagues and partners on the continent don't understand um, that, that the, 
the the scope that there often is i think here and uh you know i think people here think nothing of having very strong links with people who are in australia and new zealand despite the fact that's on the other side of the world and i think sometimes that might come back to this the fact that we we look at in every direction from an island and it's been a it's been a source of opportunity as well as experience and connection and i think that's that's something that's quite interesting um, that, that I've been thinking about recently a little bit. But just in terms of the, the numbers that, that show how important this sector is, we're talking about 1.1 million people in this country uh, whose job is directly linked to the maritime sector, which is it's about 200,000 directly employed by maritime businesses. But then if you extend that supply chain, so companies that support those other companies or provide services and products to those companies then you're looking at uh, 1.1 million which is absolutely staggering and if you're looking at how much we contribute to the economy it's 46.1 billion pounds which is monumental and that is more than air and rail combined which is is uh it's 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 staggering really when you when you think of that and it's it's true also that this sector makes a contribution to every nation and region clearly around the coast um, because that's where our ports are but but elsewhere too we, we, we do some stats every couple of years with some uh, economic consultants and they show us time and again that in every constituency across the United Kingdom there are a significant numbers of jobs dependent on the maritime sector and that's not just in the sense of trade because that's obvious that you know if, if, if maritime trade stops then clearly goods wouldn't arrive. This is more specific than that. This is about companies in that patch that are working in the sector or servicing mm. others working in the sector, which I think is quite, quite remarkable. It's, it's, also, it's also a sector that you know, government used to be and will, will again be really focused on productivity. It's a sector that's 43% more productive than the UK average, which means that we offer uh, well-paid, uh, highly skilled jobs. And uh, it's also a sector that I think some of the listeners might might think of, of maritime and sometimes we've had this from parliamentarians that maritime is something that we used to do and and, and that's probably because we had this uh, you see the big films and the, and the photographs and the paintings of big shipyards and and clearly a lot of that work has has gone elsewhere and other countries have made a, a niche for them in that space but if you look at what the uk is doing i, I touched on the services earlier but if we look at technology you've got some really exciting and world-leading things happening in places like the south coast and the southwest where you're looking at marine autonomy robotics you've got some companies there helping to clean the oceans of plastics which uh, you know which is set they didn't cause but it's playing a role in helping to respond to so there's a really cutting edge exciting future and that means that the sector's predicted to double in size to three trillion dollars i think it is by 2030 which means that people listening to this have got an exciting prospect not just joining a sector that's big but you're joining a sector that's going to grow and uh, the, the biggest area for that growth potential is in getting to net zero so we've got a sector that needs to decarbonize and the cost of doing that across the world is about two trillion dollars that gives a fantastic challenge first and foremost for for the uk and people working in the sector to respond to but then also to capitalize on when we've got the and we've got many already but when we've got more and, and more comprehensive uh, solutions to to meet that challenge what a great market we're going to have to to get out and sell um you know uh, 
lower carbon fuels or net zero compliant technologies. So it's a big sector, it's a growing sector, and it's one that's got a massive challenge, which I think anybody who likes a challenge is interested in the environment, is interested in, in different countries working together and meeting people and working on shared challenges. This is going to be a sector that's right up their street. Um, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And when we, um, perhaps as an industry, do correct me if I'm wrong, but when we are faced with a challenge, whether that is a decline in world markets, um, recessions, it's where, where, where some are perhaps slightly hesitant to change. We, we as an industry adapt, we, we innovate, we, we create, and it's a super exciting time at the moment. And personally, I've never, I don't think I've seen the industry move so quickly as we have done um, perhaps within the last uh, few months. And some amazing work going on um, across the sector. And I'm, I'm thrilled to sort of he hear about it and share through the, the, these podcasts, um, the amazing work that is going on. Um, today um, across the industry and, and yeah and if you if you look at things like people will have seen but one of the best examples of that is that David Attenborough uh, project that it fuses the UK's interest in environmental sustainability with uh, conservation and shipbuilding and apprenticeships that were created through that and now it's going to start its work in in you know in those sort of polar regions it's it is brilliant and and I think it's been helpful people realizing that maritime is more than just moving people and cargo it's it's much broader and it means that we've got much more to offer as a sector for people as well much more to offer one to the people who are listening but uh, also internationally um here in the UK um here, here, I mean it is just a vibrant we we got such amazing skills uh, across the sector and um, something that I just want to uh, touch back on um, that you said uh, about you don't have to have a maritime background to work in this sector is there are truly opportunities for everybody and hopefully through through the use of the podcast we can start to shine a positive spotlight on the sector rather than perhaps um, the present media sometimes shining a negative light on what, what um, what's gone wrong rather than the amazing work that is going on today. And talking about today, um, perhaps can you share us um, how you've seen the industry over the last few cha years change sort of with, Brig with Brexit, with the B word, um, but, but, and the opportunities that are coming out of that for um, our um, school leavers or our audience, but then also sort of how the, the industry has perhaps changed or how it's been affected um, over the last few months uh, with COVID? Yeah, I think... I think there's a number of ways of, of looking at this. The sector has been front and centre on both of those occasions, particularly let's say Brexit first, where there was the industry, I think, really found its voice, I think, in terms of knowing how to communicate and to shape um, the debate. And I think did did good work in in making decision makers, both this side of the channel and, and the other side, understand what the, the sector needed and what the consequences of not in, in, in the case of um, EU negotiations of not getting a deal would mean. And then as we move closer and closer to the end of the transition, I think the, you've got uh, large parts of the sector feeding into what the reality of, of a certain deal or otherwise might be. And then you've got a large number who are just getting on with preparing for 
what they need to do to be compliant and and work with the new rules and we i think we've been i hope we have we can always do more but i think we've been quite quite successful with using those evenings where there were ports on the television and there were always scare stories which were quite legitimate and genuine but scary stories about um, what would happen in worst case scenario and that was that got good traction and good awareness and penetration into the country and parliament and places and i think we've used that to our advantage to remind people that this is a sector that is here and more broadly than just uh, whether that was a damage limitation um, phase there's a opportunity to maximize um, this current moment but also that we're a sector that needs now we're on the radar it's the sector that needs help and support and can provide opportunities too so i think we've been quite successful it hasn't been an easy process clearly um, but that's what we and our members are here for is to work through that and find the best outcome i think on on covid too it's in exactly the same way it's we've we've had the opportunity to show people that it's this sector that has kept the country uh, as we've said supplied with food energy and uh, and medicines and i think we've we've actually perhaps more than in brexit because of the, the personal sacrifice and the personal uh, risk that individuals in the sector be it seafarers be it people working in ports throughout the the broader supply chain have have done in terms of carrying on working when others were were on lockdown at home i think through covid we've been able to really highlight the role of individuals and the workers more um, than in brexit because of that that particular sort of crisis um angle to it i suppose and we've we've been able to uh, to use again covid as an as a as a hook for us i think if we if we call it that from a communications point of view to say yep yeah, we you remember that we are reliant on this sector again these are the people who have been helping and actually this is what we need to recover and to to build back in a better way and to recognize actually that a large number of our companies uh, there's still a large number that are in significant trouble um, because they haven't had a chance to earn a penny or uh, having to work in um, quite limited ways which means their standard operating models aren't there and they're, they're not uh, viable um, for the long term so whilst we've still got problems that we're working through for for some there we have been able to try and frame the discussion around how because those companies have spent a lot of their own money keeping people in work and keeping services running but they don't necessarily have the same amount of money as they otherwise would have had to invest in infrastructure and projects and r d so we've been able to it's, it's, it's not a trick it's true that we need to get on with with the recovery and, and thinking about the kind of sector we want to be but we've got our hands tied behind our back a little bit because we've we've spent a lot of money and and, and this next phase of transformation for the sector requires significant investment so I think we've used those two examples to further our interest, but not in a, uh, not in a fraudulent way at all, but it's given us the confidence to use our voice and, and to, to use that platform to seek the support that we probably felt we haven't got in the past. I, I will agree. So over the last few months, and um, if we pick up perhaps on the seafaring angle, um, I have never seen quite so much press um, about a sort of supportive press 
rather than negative press um, about um, the, essentially the unsung heroes of mari uh, the, not of maritime the, the industry uh, maintaining that that flow of goods and and, and life as we know it. Um, so I want one hundred percent endorse and, and agree with everything that you've um, come out with now. As we move into a into your into the recovery stage, into this transformation, I mean, as we've said many times already, I mean, we in the UK, um, whether it's up here in Scotland or south of the border, um, there are huge opportunities. Where perhaps um, is where is your personal or sort of your professional vision of where? you'd like to help uh, direct um, the, the UK as we, in the maritime UK, as we come out of or uh, move forward rather, shall we say, of COVID-19 um, and yeah. everything that's been happening over the last few weeks and years. Yeah, uh, I guess having said that we make a contribution everywhere, which is true, we also have to be um, perfectly savvy and responsive to government's agenda and 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 for this current government the agenda is around this term leveling up which i'll come back to it's around getting us to net zero carbon emissions it's around strengthening the union so strengthening the union of the united kingdom and it's about being a science and more broadly r d superpower to use government's uh, term and on all of those it's something we find ourselves very well aligned with and able to make a contribution in support of so this leveling up agenda uh, is is around parts of the country that have uh, have on various indicators performed and have an economic um, level of activity that is is behind uh, other parts and this isn't just about north versus south what we've what we've found and colleagues have done some research on this that it's often coastal areas are uh, regardless of which part of the the uk they're in are on on, on those indicators are far behind uh, their inland counterparts and and clearly as a sector that is in large part present in these communities we have quite rightly i think uh, aligned ourselves with that leveling up agenda and presented ourselves as part of the solution and a significant part of the solution so i think that's where a lot of our focus is at the moment is is, is aligning ourselves with government's agenda not to the detriment of our ambitions elsewhere but because it helps us to to progress our agenda more broadly if we're seem to be helpful to government we we will secure support in other areas or in, in support of the the agenda we're talking to them about that's that's going working with the grain of their own plans and i think one thing the sector i think has done quite well um primarily led by our ports colleagues but actually this is bigger than ports is, is around the free ports agenda um the a large amount of what we we expect a free port to embody is is, is a series of proposals and recommendations that the industry has been making to government for a long time around planning and about basically pro-investment measures in terms of trying to encourage businesses to move to parts of the country they wouldn't organically move to. So if you can use tax credits, you can use um, rate relief, if you can use, uh, use things like um, uh, skills funding or enterprise zone status to bring companies in uh, then that's something that will help transform those those parts of the country so i think our in the short short term our, our focus at the moment is going to be around talking up our our offer as a sector to to government's agenda but uh, 
because maritime is so present everywhere, it's, it's not as if we're forgetting about other parts of the country, I think it's important to say. But this is the game we play, it's, uh, but it's not a game because it's, it's actually a very credible pitch that we have. And if you look at these parts of the countries, uh, these parts of different parts of the country, there's a, not a huge amount from other sectors that can help stimulate activity. So uh, I think it's a really exciting time and there's always something else that comes through the door, but I think we're really well aligned with government at the moment. And we, we have recognition of that. You know, I talk to, as you'd expect, talk to obviously work with officials on a, on a daily basis, talk to MPs and peers on a daily basis. But what we've seen in recent months is a, is a real increase in our engagement with people in, in number 10, for instance, and people uh, in those political uh, appointed roles. And, and the, we're really, really well placed at the moment. And, and they, uh, they, they get our message, they get our offer, and it's just, it's transforming that into reality. And uh, that's what a lot of our work is at the moment, is seeing what opportunity we have to progress these things. And, uh, and when, when you see it happen, it's, and it comes to, come to fruition, it's, it's really exciting and it shows you you can get more. So one of the things we, we've, we, we were able to see happen last year was getting Maritime Research and Innovation UK up with you in Scotland, based at the University of Strathclyde. The industry have been hoping to get this across the line for years. And then by all pulling together, being a little bit more focused, uh, it was established with companies joining and uh, to, to, to pool their R&D interests and government putting some money in. And uh, we hope and expect more money to, to follow. But you need to see these wins to know that you're doing the right thing. And uh, that makes it all, all seem really worthwhile. Totally. And hugely exciting, fulfilling um, for, for not only yourself as sort of leading the campaign from within um, Maritime UK but just from an industry's point of view. If you wouldn't mind perhaps um, if we just jump back um, for perhaps our our younger audience or or not even the younger audience who are listening, can you perhaps share with them what what is a free port? Um, I'm perhaps a somewhat um, basic question or or not but nonetheless I'm just perhaps elaborate on what, what that means um, for the wider audience? Sure, sure. It's one of those ones that uh, the term's been around for a long time and it means different things in different places. Um, but the, the current government, uh, and there's been free ports in the UK before, I, I understand, but the, and, and they exist elsewhere in the rest of the world. And it, I think it depends how far you want to go on a, on a spectrum as to, uh, to what type of free port they are. But the, the proposal that the UK government has, has is, it's not finalised, it's been in consultation at the moment, but this is about, it's not just seaports, uh, your airports involved with this as well, it's, it's a proposal whereby a certain territory would be, there's two strands to it, taking the custom side first, that territory may be outside of the rest of the custom territory for that polity, so for instance, um, the UK might be in a certain customs arrangement or have a customs union, but then a a certain part of its uh, land would not be in the same one. And and the benefit there would be, the argument goes, that uh, people could manufacture, um, for instance, things in that area that would not have to go through the same customs bureaucracy and processes and and requirements that... that, um, 
that would have to if it came into the country proper. So it, it, it's about a regulatory and bureaucratic um, lessening of, of requirements. And uh, the view is you might then have something coming in quickly, having um, some work done to it in terms of transshipment and then carrying on without having to be delayed or having to be um, under the same sorts of processes as if it was going into the mainland, as it were. But then the other side, and this is actually where there's huge, um, huge support and some of this can move forward very quickly, uh, is around the attractive business environment. So the idea from, from government is you marry that customs work with some business environment and sort of pro-investment strategy. So uh, this is how free ports are being framed as helping to regenerate parts of the country that might have had big industry leave and feel left behind and left out of all the exciting stuff that happens seemingly elsewhere. And for large parts of the country, this can be around enterprise zone status, maybe development corporations. These are all different levers that either local authorities or government centrally can pull to, to attract investment in. So that's the idea, really. It's a, it's a, it hasn't fully been um, tied down because of the consultation, but it's something the government are very keen on. The current chancellor, Rishi Sunak, authored a, or co-authored or authored, I can't remember, a, a paper with a think tank on this. So it's, it's an idea that he brought back and you've got different parts of the country keen on this quite understandably because uh, in, in a competitive context, no one part of the country wants to be at a disadvantage and that's not something we'd want to see either. We don't, we don't think it's right to have um, a distortion of competition, um, but you can, from a port's point of view, you can see why they all want to be, be on this because they don't want to be uh, losing out, which is one of the reasons we've all called for the cap of 10 to be to be lifted and these to be open to to more. But the the sort of pro investment levers and measures that the government have spoken about, everybody is really, really supportive of that. And we think they can play a really big, a big role in trying to unlock jobs and growth in parts of the country that, that could really do with it. Uh, absolutely. And, and you, that, that pro investment opportunity for our perhaps the, 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 the support to help um, coastal communities um, level up, as you perhaps say, um, is it, huge um, wherever they are in the country to say Freeport opportunities, yeah. investment, job creation. And we come on to that job creation is we are coming into perhaps one of the greater um, unemployment as the end of furlough approaches us exponentially quickly. And whilst that for some may seem perhaps quite a scary prospect. Um, sitting within Maritime, we are in an extremely exciting time, as, as you've already discussed, and with exciting times and investment and, and, and growth um, comes those career opportunities um, that you're discussing and sort of the, the whole pro-investment throughout the, the industry. Um, perhaps um, would like your thoughts on are we going to be one of the industries that helps um, on the, the job creation um, as we come out of uh, COVID-19 or, or certainly move forward with the new COVID-19 world? Mm, I, think, I think it's important to probably separate the, 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 the more medium long-term uh, growth opportunities that there are, because what we don't want to be doing is, is people who, who are finding themselves unfortunately out of work um, giving them hope or otherwise. So we need, exactly. to, we, need to be, we need to be clear about that um, yes. and, and the fundamentals have not changed that 
the, the sector is still predicted to, to grow significantly, including in the UK and the investment we're seeking. And we're, we're hopeful that there'll be some form of support for from government will create massive growth opportunities. The, the, the funding we're looking for to kickstart our decarbonisation work, for instance, will create uh, 74,000 jobs. So that's just one aspect of this. So there are growth opportunities, but I think we need to be we need to be realistic in the short term about even in this sector, we'll probably find that um, there'll be job losses and yep. our, our job and and uh, my colleague Lorna, who leads our, our careers and outreach work, she's been working with the job centres to to make sure they are aware of live opportunities that the sector has, um, which is great from an understanding point of view, but quite frankly, for people who need to find work, they want to know what, what live opportunities there are. So we're linking clusters of local businesses with their local job centers so that we can we're providing people with that live real uh, that real detail but on a more on a more sort of strategic level one of the things we've struggled with for a long time in the sector is people saying there's a skill shortage in this area or that but it's never really been properly tied down and and evidenced so uh, earlier this year we launched the with the government the maritime skills commission uh, its job is to robustly own a, a data set and uh, a clear overview of where the job opportunities are and where the shortages are, sorry, where the gaps are that we need filled. And then our job will be to go out there and tell people, whether it's people who unfortunately find themselves unemployed at this moment or it's generally the rest of the population, this is what we need to help us accelerate our plans and respond to our opportunities we have as a sector. So. The, the big growth is still forecast, but in the short term, I think we need to be really, really, uh, I think we need to be really alive to the, to the specific opportunities that are there and put those to people. And I know just, just, uh, just this week, Lorne has been talking to local job centres and she's been bringing employers into those discussions who have got jobs. So we want to make sure everyone knows about these and, and that's something we're, we're, we're committed to doing because it's not only is it the right thing to do on a human level, do what we can to help people who find themselves out of work, but it's also what we've always wanted to do as a sector, which is, is make sure we're getting out there and finding people and telling them about the sector. I must say, um, having spoken to Lorna recently, she's a great addition to your team. And, and for those who are listening um, and, and want to learn more about the work that Lorna's doing specifically, she will be joining us at a later date um, further on on the podcast. Um, I'm sure it's going to be an exciting, uh, exciting podcast and no, truly, truly a great addition um, to, your, to, to the team and, and the work that you're doing to support the real, the real live situation that we're faced with um, today. Um, before we start to bring this to a close, Ben, um, if you were to give one or perhaps two piece of, pieces of advice to our audience, around the UK who are either interested um, in the maritime industry as a career, whether it's as a school leaver, a university leaver, or perhaps um, somebody, a, mar a non-maritime professional looking for a career within the maritime sector? Mm. It's one of those ones you, you sort of think you, when you're given a platform like this, you want to get it right. <laughs> it's, I, I think there's probably a, a general point that I've stuck by, I found to be you know, I've, I'm not very far into my career really, and um, but in terms of where I am, I think 
if you think you can do something, go for it. Um, there's, there's no one else who will back you as much as you need to back yourself. I think that's, that's something that's true for any, any sector really, but that's something I've, I, I've stood by. And um, if you feel you're overselling yourself, sometimes that's just what you have to do. And it's something that you, everyone else does, and it might feel uncomfortable sometimes if that's not your style, but no one needs to be a bigger advocate, not saying in a cocky, arrogant way, but in a, in a way that helps people hear what you've got to offer. So really back yourself, I think. And then in terms of this industry, I'd say there's, I, I really would struggle to find a role or an interest that couldn't be, couldn't be met in this sector. And, and once you're here or you want to get to know, or, or even if you're not sure if it's right for you, um, get in touch with someone, get in contact with us and we can, we can have a chat. We can, we can put you in touch with somebody close to you who might want to be able to, or you might want to talk to and find out a little bit more about the sector, but it's, it generally is. And it generally, and people say this, it generally is a very welcoming, friendly, supportive sector that, I think people take great pride in their work and that of the sector. And I think that helps create uh, a team feeling and a sense of shared mission. Um, and I think partly that's built up because there's this sense people don't really understand much about us and we feel a bit, a bit hard done by, but um, that is changing. People do know who we are. People do recognize the role we've got. And I hope we don't lose that, that thing that binds us, but we are, we're bound together by much more than people not necessarily knowing about us. We're bound together by and good people trying to do good things for, for their local communities, for the country, and quite frankly, for the world. If you think about some of what our marine scientists are doing and, uh, and, and even the most fundamental part in terms of moving people and goods, that's, that's about linking, linking parts of the world together too. So I'm not sure that's advice. I think it, the advice would be to have a look at the maritime sector and talk to us and I'd be very surprised if there wasn't a way of meeting your interest and skills in this sector. Uh, and we want people who don't come from this sector as well, people who think in different ways because we talk about these challenges rather blasely, but if you think about getting to net zero and I say that the solutions aren't fully there, we'd be well served by people coming from outside this sector with a completely different way of looking at a problem and saying and encouraging us to think in different ways because that's how the new ideas are found and that's how solutions are, are found too so uh, i'd say back yourself and uh, and take a look at maritime take another look at maritime if you need to and and come and talk to us um hank's extremely well said ben um i can agree more on all that and what i would like to very much reiterate um backing yourself um if you are listening to this you're looking for a career um you are sitting on a huge mountain of value as a friend and a colleague of mine says um you you are amazing um whether you've just come out of school or or 20 30 years into your career you have so much to offer um and never doubt yourself on that and touching on the uh the the friendliness of this industry um i've been fortunate to grow up um with within the industry um and certainly whenever i've personally been looking for help support or guidance never be afraid to pick up the telephone reach out to 
somebody within a role across a sector and more often than not they'll say absolutely when would you like a chat we are a very very friendly industry um, and more than welcome to um, have a chat um, whether it's over a virtual cup of coffee or, or something perhaps a bit stronger and one two final questions um, as we as we bring this to a close Ben um, what would you say you are passionate about and what would you say you're proud about Pride's an interesting one because I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, if I'm to use that word, I think I'm proud of the the way that we've built a certainly from a maritime UK perspective, we've built uh, hopefully uh, a team and a, a culture which is collegiate, which is collaborative, which is open, which is accessible, but is resolutely committed on delivery and achieving something and I think that 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 culture I think that as an organization that we've we've built and those that engage with us hopefully would would see too so I guess uh, that would be that would be something I'd say I'm proud of but not that I've done on my own but we've we've done together and then I think in in terms of passionate I think I uh, I, I love seeing things happen um, you know, a lot of this job can be Word documents, phone calls, emails, but actually when you get out of the office and you see things or there's an announcement which you played a role in helping to secure and even an event that happens or you see, you see someone, uh, you, you hear about someone at a careers fair who's now gone away from it, interested in the sector because of something that one of the team has done or said or partners been involved with. And actually seeing, I'm passionate about actually seeing things happen change occur because I think we all get one we get one career and I don't see the point in just sitting still uh, you've got to bring people with you but I'm I think I'd say I'm passionate about delivery um, which sounds <laughs> like one of these um, business coaching sort of phrases but I think it's a statement of fact if you unless you can see things happening sort of undermines your your um, your inclination perhaps to do all the work in the first place to get you that point. So yeah, I hope that helps. Uh, absolutely. And I and think on the delivery piece, um, it gives you a sense of achievement of fulfillment. And it, it's not a businessy term at all, I don't think, because it's um, cer certainly I, I believe the same of going out and getting things done um, and seeing things come to fruition. It's, it's a fantastic feeling. Um, and to close, um, before I say my thank yous, um, could you um, ha rather, ha if anybody's listening, um, how do they best contact um, you, find out more about the work that you do and want to ask a question? How, how can they contact you, Maritime UK, um, et cetera? Yeah, well, Maritime UK website is the best place to start. We've got details for all the different team members and what they do. But uh, on a more informal basis, we've, we've obviously got things like LinkedIn or, or Twitter. Uh, the Maritime UK Twitter account is, is the main one, but all the different team members are, are retweeted from that. So you could um, uh, follow us, drop us a message. If uh, All that informal stuff is, is, is entirely right too. But I, I'd say probably the best starting point is the, is the website. There's newsletters and things. By all means, sign up to those and, and find what you're interested in and we can, we can keep talking. Fantastic. And on that, I would like to thank you very much, Ben, for your time. It's been a fascinating um, call, uh, podcast uh, session, learning about your role 
uh, reminding myself about the huge opportunities that this industry has. Um, so a huge thank you. And I, I look forward to um, speaking, joining you on the, or rather you joining the podcast perhaps once again in the future. Um, so thank very you very to. much. Very much. Uh, thank you, Ben. Um, and have a great day. Great. No problem. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Maritime Careers, a podcast. For all details and information that we discussed in today's episode, please check out the bio for more information. Wherever you are in the world, stay healthy, stay safe. And I look forward to speaking to you in our next podcast.